the beginning of my series is we were talking about what we believe. I launched a series in the early part of the summer talking about the importance of the Christian faith and what it is, our beliefs, our affirmations that make us Christian. And all of this is online, so I won't spend a lot of time here this morning, but I just want to remind you that these teachings have been recorded. And it's sort of important. We spent a pretty fair amount of time talking about the importance of the word we and believe, what it means to, what belief actually is, what it means to follow God as a community of people and to do it with other people, which is the norm of the scripture. And we'll have some teachings on the road where we talk about the importance of God's church, but that's sort of what we were talking about on the front end of this, this idea of belief. Because we say this word a lot. Next week when we take communion, we will affirm what it is that we believe. It's an important word that precedes every idea and thought in the Christian faith. And these beliefs are meant to shape values and actions and burdens, hard attitudes for the world. And so today we're continuing our We Believe series by talking about the importance of the Bible. We're going to sort of look at several theologies over these next weeks. And today, maybe for the next couple of weeks actually, we're going to talk about the importance of the Scripture. The title of today's message is that we believe the Scripture, the Christian Scriptures, are really worth reading, that they play a significant role in God's kingdom. They have been given to us for a reason. They are meant to meaningfully impact our lives. It is, it is or should be a priority for us to understand what the Bible is and why it is important to spend time in it. And so just before my vacation, we spent six weeks talking about what faith and belief is and isn't and the importance of us understanding that faith and belief, while there's an absolute individual element to that, you know, God redeems men and women. When we speak to him and talk about who he is and understand what Jesus has done for us, God does something very powerful for us. He can forgive us of our sins and restore us into this incredible relationship with him and other people. Without question, there's an individual belief aspect to the Christian faith. But that faith is meant to be lived out in a church community, a church family. And so these are very foundational ideas. And these ideas, what we believe, influence these particular aspects of what we're about to talk about. What we're going to get to now is what it is that we say we believe and trust in. And the idea today we're talking about is how God calls us to view the Bible and the Christian scripture. So as a refresher, I want to revisit the definition of faith. This was mentioned many times and probably will be until the series is over. It'll be behind me. Here is how we define faith or belief, which is essentially a synonym for faith. I'll use those words interchangeably today, according to scripture. Faith or belief it's, is a belief in and commitment to something or someone. There's a trust or hope in something or someone. And in the Christian faith, it is specifically a complete trust in Christ and his work as the basis of one's relationship to God. And this faith relationship with God is meant to affect every area of our lives. Our head, our thoughts, our hearts, our emotions, and our hands, our actions. And so faith in the Christian faith, no pun intended, has a very particular object at the end of it. Meaning we don't have a general faith in something. We have a particular faith or a belief or a trust in someone, and his name is Christ. And so if you've been wondering why we spent so much time prior to my vacation talking about how we as God's people are meant to support and encourage each other in what we believe, this definition should give us a, a fresh reminder. It should really clarify the reason. Because ultimately what we say we believe in the Christian faith is supposed to change our hearts and reshape our lives. The more time we spend with the Lord in Scripture and with other people that love God, the more likely we are to be refashioned into His image and start having the values and the, the concerns that God has for our world and our neighbor. In other words, to, to truly be like Jesus, you have to rub shoulders with Him. And the way we rub shoulders with Christ is through His Word and His people. And so today's message is a great example of how these belief life change dots are connected. What we believe is meant to shape life. 
And here is why this is important. In Christianity, when we believe something, it should create in us a cause and effect type of reaction. Cause and effect is sort of a bit of a universal principle that informs just about everything in the world. Uh, the cause of what's happening right now, I am speaking, and the effect of that is you are listening, most of you. The back row is always questionable because it's high and cold and very comfortable up there. But the idea is the cause is teaching, the effect is listening, right? Think about this. Our whole world functions this way, and so does our faith. For example, if you believe that Jesus deeply loves you, this is something we believe. This is a cause, right? And it should shape how you and I love others. That is the effect. Understanding and believing, knowing the love of Jesus in our own lives should affect the way we love others. Or if you believe Jesus spent his life living generously for others, serving and sacrificing for others, oftentimes at great cost to himself, that's a cause, right? Then our hearts should be somewhat compelled to live the same way for others. That's the effect. The generous, lavish life that Jesus poured out for the earth and the people of it, that effect, the effect of that should shape our actions and our deeds. And so regarding today's message, if you and I believe that Jesus valued the scriptures, that he read the scriptures, that he taught the scriptures, that he actually gave us the scriptures, this is what he's alluding to in John 7, and that he lived his life by the scriptures, which he talks about all the time, the cause, right? Anything he's quoting or talking about in the New Testament is referring to the Old Testament, which was the book of the people of God up until the point where we had a New Testament. If we believe all this, the cause, Jesus has a certain view of the Bible, a certain view of Scripture, then we should somewhat naturally be the kind of people who look to the Bible and trust in God's truth in the Bible in the same way Jesus did. That's the effect. We should at least attempt that. Or if we have questions about why we should do that, the effect of understanding the role of Scripture in Jesus' life, it should cause us to question why we might have thoughts or attitudes that are somewhat to the contrary of the way Jesus viewed the Bible. Now, that's an important statement because we're living in a world where sort of biblical literacy is, is growing. And I'm speaking particularly about the church right now, the church culture in general. Well, this is not true for every single person around the world, but it is sort of well known that church historians have been documenting the, the sort of disconnect that so many believers have with Jesus and his word. A lot of people are sort of okay with trusting Jesus or following him, but not so okay for whatever reasons, we'll talk about a few next week, for, for actually knowing Jesus through the methods that he actually communicates to us that we should be practicing. And so today's teaching will clearly show us, at least my hope is this, that if you really want to know Jesus, or if you already believe who Jesus is, who he says he is, if you really want to discover what it is we believe about the Christian faith, if you want to more fervently understand God's purposes for your life, he's put you on this earth for very important reasons. There's nothing sort of happenstance about your life. God has designed you, cares for you, and has an incredible purpose for your life. If these are matters that are important to you, then you must read the Bible because it's in the scriptures that God addresses these matters and a great many others. And so this leads me to the main, the only belief truth I want to share with you this morning. I promised you each week we will look at one belief statement, what we believe statement. And what we'll talk about today is this. We believe God gave us the Bible to know him, and he desires that we read it on a regular basis. So if you understand that scripture is God's sort of revelation of himself, what that means is he didn't just throw us this book for no reason. He gave us this so that we could understand him and know him and deeply relate to him. And if you understand spending time in the Bible as sort of spending time with God, then it makes sense why it is so important that we actually do this on a regular basis. I'm not talking about perfection. Uh, in fact, here's a funny story. 
I'll, I'll say it now. Uh, we and my community group, several months ago, we made this challenge. We challenged each other to spend time in the Bible every day. And we did this by uh, practicing reading the verse of the day in the Bible app, which is a great app. I reference it quite a bit. And the funny part of the story is this, is there's one other person that, uh, and he's in here now. His name is Matt. You can talk to him about this afterwards. We've, I've had direct competition with him as far as how many weeks in a row we've read the verse of the day, okay? And I've been winning for quite some time. But right, I'm not proud about that, but I really am, okay? So right, right before vacation, though, I forgot to read the verse of the day. And I know he won. He knows it. And so I am confident that God did that to me on purpose so that I would actually not get proud about this, right? The, the idea is that whether it's in jest or joking around, this idea of spending time with God on a regular basis, whether it's meditating on a single verse and asking him to speak into your life or reading through chapters, there's lots of ways to read the Bible. The point I want to make today is that we sort of really care about the fact that we're, we're doing it on a normal basis. And so Jesus tells us this in John 7. He says a lot of things here, but the statement I want to focus on here is this. 16 through 17, he says, Jesus answered. And so what's happening here is people are questioning his teachings. They're questioning the very writings that we refer to today in the New Testament as the words of Jesus. They just haven't been penned in Bible form yet. So Jesus answers, my teaching, he says, is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. He's talking about his Father in heaven. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God, that means anybody who chooses to follow God, anybody who chooses to relate and to know God, they will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. So what he's saying here is those who, who pursue God in the New Testament now through Jesus, the more we spend time recognizing and understanding Christ's teachings, the more time we spend in the word, the more likely we are to understand that it is God our Father in heaven who gave us these things for a very important reason. And so because of the significance of the Bible, it's important that we spend some time clarifying, at least at the beginning of this, what we believe the Bible is and isn't. And the reason we need to do this is because we live in a culture that's often very distracted. I'm actually reading a book now called Disruptive Witness that talks about how in the modern world, we are kind of distracted from our distractions. What he was saying was, is like, it used to be that TV, and I'm not against TV or any of these things I'm mentioning. He said that TV used to be the kind of thing that you were distracted by. It was sort of a mind a throwaway hour or two. And then what happened is, is a lot of people felt like TV was a distraction from the more significant things in life. Today, with the advent of social media and all these platforms, I actually see this pretty regularly, sometimes with my own children. They can actually be watching TV, distracted from TV, while they're messing around on a tablet or something. Like, we're beyond distracted now in our world. And in, in the Christian faith, we're called to have sort of a linear focus on who God is through the Scripture. And so in a world that sort of has its mind on many things, oftentimes the Bible is either devalued, especially for the Christian, or we don't focus on it in the way that we should. And so this leads to confusion about the Bible. There's lots of thoughts and ideas about it today that are true, and many that are not. You have some folks outside of the Christian camp that see the Bible as a book of antiquated rules and myths. You know, they put it on the same par as like Norse or Viking mythology. That's where they see that stuff. Rather than understanding it as a Christ-centered story that reveals God's plan of love and redemption to the world, how God is constantly working in the world through his son Jesus to bring us back to him. And what happens is, is if you see the Bible that way, consequently, you won't understand it properly. Or you might even interpret it poorly. You might derive applications from it that are not right or good. And this misunderstanding seems to be increasingly true, even for us at times when we, we claim to follow Jesus. It's a very common and growing statistic, I alluded to it moments ago, that some of God's people don't read the Bible at all. They just don't, and there's reasons for that. 
or when they do read it, they actually don't know how to read it. They have questions about it. And that's one of the reasons why the church is so important, because we're sort of all on this journey together, understanding the Bible and studying it together. And that's where we really can learn from each other and grow. And so what happens is when this happens, our faith and our life can get very far from God. We sort of are pursuing him in ways that maybe we're not pursuing him at all, or we're pursuing him in ways that are maybe confusing or misunderstood, and as a consequence, we get very frustrated, very sort of disconnected from God. And so while we tend to think that these ideas, these problems, like it's sort of common today in our world to say, well, it's, you know, up until about 150 or 200 years ago, uh, people believed in myths and riddles, you know, up until like the Enlightenment era. And what happened is, is after we got past uh, myths and riddles, we didn't, you know, need the Bible anymore. So today what, what's happening is, is people say it's just the, the, uh, the modern people now that actually don't have a value for the Bible. It was all those silly, ignorant people in the old world that believed this stuff because they had nothing better to believe. What a passage like this shows us, and I would argue if you read the rest of the Bible, you'll see this is pretty true, that this isn't a new problem, it's a very old problem. In fact, Jesus is addressing this very matter here. He's having to sort of prove before a group of people that what he says is true and right and God's actual teachings. The, the folks in this passage are, are questioning some 2,000 years ago now, keep this in mind, some 2,000 years ago, these teachings that Jesus is referring to, the body of them that he left while he was on earth in John 7, they have formed the backbone of the New Testament we are studying this very moment. And this passage in and of itself shows us that this is not a new problem, that it wasn't like people used to, you know, ignorantly trust, and now we are very scientific, we're not against science, we actually value it here, but the idea is that this has no place in our world today. What we see in a passage like this is this is truly an ancient problem. From the first century to the 21st century, there have always been differing views and opinions on the role that Scripture plays in the life of a person. Some see them as central. Some see them as optional. Some don't see them as, as valuable at all. There's no need for them. Some think the Bible is a book filled with silly riddles and folktales. Christian and non-Christian alike have always had diverse opinions about what the Bible is, despite the fact that there are very clear definitions in the Bible about what the Bible is and its role. We'll look at one briefly on the back end of my message today from 2 Timothy. And so all this is to say there are many opinions floating around today, maybe even in this room. But the one that we should be most concerned with when we understand what the, what the Bible is, is what God says about the role of his scripture in our lives. And what he says is sort of a summation, is the book we are holding in our hands, whether that is in print form or on a tablet or a phone, whatever you're using, the compilation of those teachings, it truly is a set of timeless truths that show us how God has chosen to reveal himself to us and how he desires that we love and follow him. And for those of us that do follow God, these living words, that's what the Bible says they are. They are words that are meant to bring life. They are meant to be the rudder. They sort of drive the ship of faith, which leads us to salvation in Jesus, guides our faith on earth, our love for God, and other people. And that's why the first belief truth we're going to talk about or are talking about is that we believe the Bible matters. Because without this foundational truth, what we say after this has no objectivity to it. What happens is, is lots of people, lots of ideas, lots of thoughts, lots of beliefs are likely to be thrown out there, what we believe or how we follow God. But the role of the Bible in the, scripture, in the scriptures is really for us to understand how God desires us to follow him. In other words, if we're going to choose to follow God, then we should trust God's word and what he says is best for our lives and what it means to pursue and love him well and to love our neighbors well. This is truly a compilation of life-changing truths about God called the Bible. 
And the Bible has a history of changing people in deep and significant ways. So I ask a question. What is the Bible? Well, there's lots of ways we can define it, but I think a simple definition would be this. The Bible is God's story about how he chose to reveal himself to humanity. That's it. From the very origins of Genesis, we are seeing God's interactions with people. How he chooses to know us, the type of relationship he invites us into with him, and how we're supposed to care for our neighbors. It is the ultimate authority for the Christian and the Christian faith, meaning that's the the place we go to understand who God is. And from it, we derive the crux of our knowledge about who God is and our understanding of what God says the Christian faith is. Wisdom, discernment, knowledge, and understanding about God come from the Bible. And that's what the, why this book, I think, is sort of interesting. One of the incredible things about the Bible is it's very different than a lot of the books we see on shelves today. There is no other book in world history that has been written the way it has been written. Over thousands of years, God inspires many different authors to write the 66 books of the Bible. And these books are divided into what we call two testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so when you think of the Bible, which if you have a print one in your hand, is probably about two and a half inches thick, these books are divided into two testaments, which really makes the Bible one big book of a lot smaller books, many, many smaller books, from Genesis to Revelation. And what they do is these books, through different places in history, through different people, different subject matters, different parts of the world, God is inspiring people to actually pen and write the Bible. And over time, we record this sort of coherent history of what the Bible actually is and what it's trying to teach us. It's teaching us the story of God's people. In the Old Testament, God's people were called the Israelites. And in the New Testament, what we now call the Christian faith through the church. We are now God's people, the church. So the Bible chronicles these two stories of God's interaction with with one type of people, God's people, those whom he has loved and cared for and cherished. And that's why we say the Bible is really a story about God revealing himself and his love to the world. And it should be read as such. If you want to read the Bible for all it's worth, you have to understand this. It's a story about God revealing himself to the world and calling us back to him in Christ. And so people today, lots of us, will try to reduce Scripture at times to a book of antiquated rules, or we'll see reading it as optional in our faith. Uh, You know, maybe if you're above 55, this is sort of like the editorial page in the newspaper. You know, you pick it up, it's the opinion piece. That's how some people see the Bible. If you're under, I don't know, let's just say 45, this would be like whether or not you choose to follow somebody on Twitter. That's how we see the Bible, right? Click to follow or maybe not look at it at all. No matter where we're coming from, no matter how we understand the importance of investing in our our lives in reading something or understanding something, the scripture is meant to be the centerpiece of what we read and what we understand Jesus to be in our lives and the world. It truly is God's sort of self-revelationist front page story about himself. And that's why to see this as optional, to undermine its importance, to not spend time in it at all, or, you know, whether that's for a, 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 a malignant reason, which I seldom find is the case. Most of the time, it's a matter of time or understanding. That's the most common thing that I see people say or hear people say is, I really want to do this, but I don't have the time, or I really want to do this, and I don't understand it. We'll talk about that next week, I promise. What I want to drill down today, though, is this. This is why we're talking about this. This is why, like so many of the men and women who loved Jesus before us, we deeply value God's Holy Scripture here. And you can read more about this on our website if you want to know what we believe about this. 
we believe the Bible is best expressed, or this statement is best expressed in our What We Believe section on our website, which I'd encourage you to read. But it's important to know that when we understand believing about the Bible, what we sort of understand its historical credibility to be, it's not just something that's a, a verbal affirmation that we move on from. It's actually guiding what we do as a church and as people. In other words, what we believe about the Bible, right, the cause, we believe this is God's communication to us. We believe that. That's the cause. That should have a serious effect on our church life because we do believe this. The effect is that we actually try to follow what it says. What this means is we want to make it a priority to help everybody know and understand God through Scripture. In environments like this, this is one way we do that. The second way, which is equally as important as this, is through community groups, which meet throughout the week in various places. One meets in my living room. And what happens is, is we spend time processing these truths together because we don't just want to give you a teaching on Sunday, what we believe, without the we portion that comes afterwards. This is a pretty cramped environment, as you know. Movies will be starting here in about 15 minutes. And so it isn't like we get to go into the fellowship hall, Theater 8, and talk about all this stuff. Because there's likely some movie showing over there right now. That's why we want to make process space for you guys. We want you to understand that there's a place to go, whether it's formally through our leadership, informally through community groups, to actually get into this more deeply. It's important to have that value in our hearts. It's what we want for you all, and it's what we're striving for. And the reason this is important is because throughout history, if you see the people who are sort of most close, most aligned to God, the people whom God seems to desire to use in the world, it is those people who make it a priority to spend time with him and each other as they read scripture. God sort of has a, a niche. He likes to work in that world because it's in that world where God is most clearly and accurately represented to the world. And so for us, as individuals in a church family, pursuing the Jesus of the Bible, it's a, it's a guiding value that actually deeply shapes everything we are in Jesus. But as, a, as leadership, we refuse to disconnect it from community. Meaning I think one of the worst things that can happen is that we read the Bible in isolation. And that is really a desire of the modern world. A lot of people I find want Bible study. They want to know scripture, but they don't necessarily want to live that out or process it with other people. And what happens at that point is scripture then becomes like an academic treaty we sort of start compiling these truths, disconnecting them from the absolute application of where they're meant to be lived out every day in community with other people. Listen, when you read about love and grace in the Bible, that's a doctrine. We believe that as a church. But when you try to live and love and show grace to others, it becomes a life value. That's very different. I can pen grace on paper all day long, but to show it at times can be very difficult. And to have it shown to us, I'm telling you, it's one thing to have a, uh, a definition of grace recited to you. It's another thing to have another person who loves Jesus deeply pour it into your life. That's why we believe that we believe this stuff. We are meant to live it out in process with each other. Super important. So one of the things we're trying to help us uh, people know as a disciple here is that those of us, when we study the Bible, we're encouraging folks to pass it on to other people. The scripture is meant to be understood and poured out into other people. That's what being a disciple is. It's listening to the teachings of Jesus and understanding who God is through them and then living our lives in a way that actually reflect those very teachings. Why is it that, you, why is it that this is so important? Why is it that we really need to spend time in Scripture? Maybe if I could drive home sort of one driving plea this morning of why this is important. It's because when we truly say that we believe Jesus, when we truly say that we love Jesus, it means that we have learned, or at least we're attempting, to make the voice of Jesus the most important voice in our life. 
And the place we see that voice most clearly, the place we hear it most clearly, the place we understand it most clearly, is in what he actually said. So when I say we want to make his voice the most important in our lives through scripture, that does not mean that we don't want other people's voices to, to matter in our lives. Please don't hear me you know, lopsiding that seesaw. What I'm saying is the voice by which all voices need to be judged and dealt with. It's the voice of Christ. And so right here, we have this set of teachings in John, which Jesus says himself. He says these things, these teachings, are given to him by God, who is the author, perfecter, and finisher of all life as we know it. There's a reason why he's not evoking his own authority in John 7. He's talking to a group of people that believe in God, and he doesn't actually refer to himself as the authority piece here. He says, listen, I have authority because my God has given me authority. Now, we know that Jesus is God, so we know he has the full authority of God. But he's deferring them to the person they actually think has authority over their lives. And he does this a lot. We see this sort of authority statement that he makes about the importance of Scripture in our lives throughout the New Testament. There are several places where we read it. I'll just share one with you this morning. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. It'll be behind me. Jesus speaking to his disciples. Remember this now. The disciples are the people Jesus has set apart to build the church. They're the foundation. They're the cement of what's going to happen until Jesus returns. It's happening at this very moment. And he says to them, this is his last words. He tells them this. This is what we know is the Great Commission. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, what does he use his authority for? Not to become powerful and proud. He uses his authority. He says, therefore, go now and make disciples of all nations. He's using his authority to say, now go serve the world. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And here's what I want to point out to you. Verse 20, he says, and teaching them. Teaching, same word he uses in John 7. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In John and in Matthew and in a myriad of other places, Jesus tells us one of the marks of a person truly following him is when they commit their lives to the truth of his teachings in Scripture. That doesn't mean commit to them perfectly. It just means we really try to get into Jesus' head and his heart to understand what it means to, to love him. And out of that, there should be a faithful desire to teach others to obey the same things. In other words, to help others to learn and know and grow and walk in the ways of Christ. That's why this is so important. Because without the teachings of Christ, what are we teaching people to walk in? Most likely our preferences, desires, opinions, or inputs of the, the ton of voices that saturate our lives. Some of those voices can be very good. But for the Christian, we believe that the voice that is the most good is the one, who Jesus, the one Jesus presents to us. So Jesus really emphasizes this. And I want to show you, past the writings of Jesus, that the rest of the Bible does the same thing. We also see this truth about the Bible further emphasized in the Apostle Paul's writings. You know, Paul is the guy who takes the gospel to the world, the Gentile world, us, the non-Jewish people. And what happens here is he re reiterates some of the things Jesus said about the Bible. He gives us some very practical reasons for why it's so important for us to wrestle with and live out the teachings of the Bible. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17. It's behind me. This is probably... One of the most profound verses, succinct and profound verses, that gives us an understanding of the role of Scripture in our lives. All Scripture, he says, is God-breathed and is useful for a few things. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. 
communicating to each other about how we understand who God is, helping us to walk in his ways. All of this helps to build us up in, in, in righteousness. It helps to build us up in the ways of God. And then Paul goes on to say, so that all God's people may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's an interesting sort of connection there. We won't talk about this a lot today, but it's sort of interesting that the whole reason we're doing this, the whole reason God says we should be kind of connected to him is not so that we can study this stuff in isolation. It's that we can actually be thoroughly equipped to now release the good works of God through the world. So this is why it's important that we, we believe in community because you can't, you can't do this if you're by yourself. It's impossible. It's impossible to bless the world with the good works of God if you're just sort of alone with God. It seldom works out well that way. In this verse, Paul clearly lays out two key reasons why God wants us to know Jesus and follow him by listening to his voice. This is how we'll begin to wrap up. Two ideas that he says here. First, he says, all scripture is the breath of God. And whenever we talk about this verse, I talk about this statement that I want to give you right now because it's important. The way Paul describes the scripture here evokes image, images of the way that God breathed life into humanity in Genesis chapter 2. You remember the key thing that turned man from dust into, into mankind, humankind? Anybody remember what the missing link was there? Breath, right? So God creates us, and there's this deep connection between his breath bringing about life in us. There we know, through Moses, we know that God forms, he forms man from the dust. He makes people, men and women as we know it, out of the ground. He breathes life into them. It's through his nostrils he breathes life into people. And it's only after God's divine breath, once that enters Adam, something powerful happens there. He goes from dust to life and the fullness of life that God desires for him. That's the significance of that, that verse. There, there is no life, no true life anyways, without the breath of God. That's what we learn in Genesis. And there's this interesting, somewhat beautiful poetic parallel that, that he makes here. It's poetic by nature because in the same way that Moses talks about breath, God's breath bringing life to people, Paul equates the breath of God through the scripture the same way in our lives. What he says is God breathed his life into these words. And when we inhale these words, head, heart, and soul, hands, what happens is we start to live in ways that we can only live when we are indwelled by the power of God through his Holy Spirit. But what's his point here? What's sort of the, maybe the negative side of this? There, is, there can be life without God. That's indisputable. Plenty of people live never believing in Jesus, trusting in him, and they have great lives. I'm not here to say that you can't have a good or meaningful life without Jesus. I'm just here to say that according to these types of writings, we will never have the fullness of life that God desires for all people without his breath. It's the difference between a good life and a life the way it was meant to be. Adam is still dust without it. And frankly, here's the connection I want to make. When we in the modern world seek to follow Jesus without his breath, without his words, it can create a false, lifeless, dusty faith. It's, it's, it's dust is what it is. It, it might even look like life in some senses, but it isn't. The reason being, while we can live on this earth apart from a relationship with God as revealed through his scriptures, we'll never fully live as the way we are meant to live until we apply these truths to our hearts. Because true fulfillment in this life and in the next is bound up in us being in the presence of Christ. Anything less than that is sort of a, a substitution or a cheap substitution for faith. And so think about this. Here's some ideas I want to run by you. According to the scriptures, we know. The things I'm about to say, we know because the Bible tells us this. It's in Jesus. If you, you want to sort of know how, how dust turns to life, it's in Jesus that we find our ultimate worth, meaning, and purpose in life. That's unassailable. Simply meaning, 
It doesn't matter what anybody says about you in this world. If they try to use their words or their actions to undermine you as a person, to devalue your significance, you have a stronger word that tells you something different. Your ultimate meaning, purpose, worth, and life is found through Christ. So much so that he was willing to give his life for you and I. It's in Jesus that we experience, consequently, a love and relationship like no other, one meant to be shown to others. It's in Jesus, maybe you come from a poor family background, or maybe, I don't know what your family history is. Some of you I do, obviously, but not all of you. Maybe you're in a rough situation now, or you feel sort of orphaned in the world. Maybe you are physically orphaned. It's in the scriptures that we learn that we are now, in Jesus, adopted sons and daughters of God. There's always a last name after our first name, and that name is Christ. We are owned and loved and cared for and cherished by God, even if the world around us says we are not. It's in Jesus that we can experience grace upon grace through the trials of life. You know, God is with us through those moments. It's in Jesus that we can experience true healing from the deep emotional scars that many of us carry around. All of us are probably wounded in some way. Some of us just show it maybe more, more significantly than others, and some of us have become experts at hiding it. But at the end of the day, I don't think anybody gets through life without some wounds. That's some of the nature of life. It's in Jesus that we experience all of this. And the reason we know all of this, here's where I find a, a, an interesting irony. Sometimes we'll affirm these truths, but we will forget where we have first read them. We know these truths. I speak them to you in confidence today, not because I found them on the internet or because I'm making them up, but because these are all truths that are found in the Scripture. And that's why Paul says the words of Scripture, they are much more than just words. They are the very breath of God. They whisper life into the ears of your heart and mine. And that's why the Bible cannot be seen as an option in our faith. It's why we want to sort of place value on it and spend time in it. If we are confused by it, we should be around people who understand it. It is meant to truly be the rudder that drives faith. Very important to know. It is the breath of life that God breathes into us. And without it, we will increasingly fade away from God. That's what happens. We will likely practice paradigms of faith that are very far from who God is. We might even become people who are very far from God. That's the first thing he tells us. Scripture breathes life. Secondly, Paul tells us the Bible is useful. I'll be brief here, but it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And so this makes perfect sense. If the Bible really is God's voice speaking into our lives, then it should be somewhat of a true north for what we personally embrace and teach others about Jesus. Its truths enable us to clearly know who we are in Jesus and what he set us apart to do in life. And through it, we gain some valuable tools for life. We are given wisdom. We are given discernment. We are given the ability to know what is true and right in the world. We are given grace when we miss the mark in doing what is true and right in the world. When we read scripture, God personally guides and speaks into our lives. He does that through his words. He does that through each other. And this is pretty amazing. Anywhere we turn, if we will embrace the tools God has given us, he has put something or someone in our lives for us to have contact with so that we are perpetually in contact with Jesus. He's even put himself in us. That's what the New Testament teaches us. We are indwelled by the power of the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And that is why Christians and churches who devote their lives to the Scriptures tend to grow in humility and righteousness before God. Not the other thing. If you've ever been engaged with a Christian or a church who, because of their knowledge of the Scriptures, bred in arrogance, that's a problem. I don't know that you can read the Bible and not get humble. I mean, just being very honest. You might get proud for a moment, but it tends to breed this deep-seated humility, reliance upon God. And what that does is it, it actually makes us better servants of God and better people on this earth. Because the Holy Spirit takes these truths and reshapes our lives into the image of Christ. And so the bottom line is the more time we spend with God in the Bible, the more likely we are to live as if God is weighty in our lives. 
You want to know why this series is probably the easiest one I've ever written? Because I have more material than ever to resource. We believe, man, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible to refer to. And we believe and know these things, these sort of foundational and timeless truths that have defined the faith that we have. We know these things because God has been faithful to show us these things. There was people in the Old Testament and us in the New. When a person looks for God's truth, I want you to sort of hear this before I read you a bit of a a closing quote. If you are looking for God's truth, that's what the scripture is, you have to know if you're looking for it and willing to find it, God promises he will show you this stuff. This is the thing that I love about God. He is not trying to withhold himself from us. His scripture teaches us time and time again, he is sort of inserting himself in our lives at times, many times. And that is the cause and effect relationship I want to point out today. When we get serious about letting God's presence into our lives, his breath into our lives, his, his truth into our hearts and our hands and our heads, what's happened is, is we've made the decision to start pursuing God for who he really is. Not who we want him to be at times, or maybe at times who others tell us he should be. It is God that desires the platform in your life and in mine to reveal to us who he is. And so I sort of leave you with this idea. It's a quote I've referenced here before because I think it's, it's the most powerful non-biblical statement about the Bible that I've ever read. It's one that I've borderline memorized, and I want to share it with you again this morning. This will be the third time I've mentioned it in the history of restoration, so I know you all have it memorized. But just in case you don't, it'll be behind me. You can take pictures of it, write it down, or just email us, and we'll send it to you. It comes from a book that's been very influential in my life and in the life of our church. It's a book called Total Church, and this book actually defines what real New Testament Christianity looks like. And not surprisingly, there's several sections that talk about the importance of what it means to be a people who understand the role of the Scripture in life. And they say this, being word-centered, which simply means we have a, a, the, the Bible has a central role in our life, okay? Being word-centered is much more than just how you teach and disciple people. What they're saying here is it exceeds the hour and 10 minutes we will spend here on Sunday. It includes this, but far jumps the, the tracks on just this time. Even in our community groups, it's meant to affect every area of life. It means governing church life by God's word. It means every decision, formal and informal, is explored through explicit reference to God's word. We understand life and faith and practice by, by trying to see what the Bible teaches us about these things. We ask and re-ask what God's word teaches us about the issues and problems we face in life. So when we endure trial or we're dealing with things, there are teachings in the Bible that actually help us to understand how to persevere victoriously through them. And then he goes on to say, this is probably the best verse in the Bible that connects reading scripture to the action required, the cause and effect. As James says in his epistle, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. You must also do what the word says. In other words, don't just let God sprinkle dusty words on your life. That's not what they are. Let that dust be inhabited by his breath so that it reshapes you as a person. And so as powerful as this statement is, it is guaranteed, and I'll be the first to admit it, even in my own life, we've all likely had times where we are trying to follow God, but we're giving something in our lives a voice that isn't the Jesus of the Bible, a more, a more powerful voice. We, we say Jesus is our Lord and we love him as Savior, but other authorities in life have a stronger platform to direct our ways. Times maybe when we've been more shaped by the ideas of other world religions or other life philosophies, the opinions of friends, the expectations of the rat race of life, who your coworkers or your boss or your schoolmates say you should be, friends and popular authors, maybe even sometimes the most dangerous of the whole lot, the personal opinions and desires of our own hearts when we start to say we are something that Jesus says we are not, whether that is too proud or, or too lowly a view of ourselves. 
Here is why this is such a dangerous place to be. If God breathed life into us and then breathed life into his word, his self-revelation of himself to us, if we really believe this about God, then we should naturally want to know his words. We should want them to guide and inform all the things that we deal with in life. That is the cause and effect. And I know that cause and effect it can be a little sloppier than I'm communicating it right now, but the idea should be if this is the cause, if God says this is so important in our lives, and the effect is that we are not in the word, then we should start asking the questions why. That's the good starting effect. Why is it that God says I should spend time in the scripture with other people, but I don't? That's a good starting point. That's the beginning of the effect. And so as we remove, move to our response time, here's a couple of things to pray for. If you're in the scripture, know that that's a, a gift from God and know that it's not just a gift for you. If you are faithful to read the Bible, ask yourself, are you, are you sort of pouring into somebody? Are you taking what God has shown you and helping others to understand it? If you're not in the scripture, ask God why today and know that in this place and before our God, you will receive grace there. It isn't that God wants to bludgeon you to death about the fact that you missed a Bible verse last week. I was beating myself up about that a couple of weeks ago. I really was. And then I remembered that that's not the point of this. The point of this is not that God was waiting to see. I was almost at 300 straight reads when I messed it up. That wasn't, he wasn't like, cool, you, you messed it up, Anthony. I'm happy now in heaven. That's not what happened. I actually had to realize that the app had no power over me. The app was actually God in that moment. It was telling me that I lost my streak and I wanted to throw my iPhone into the ocean, but they're too expensive to do that, right? Way too expensive. Ask yourself, what is the voice that informs you? Are you being shaped by the scripture? And I just want to say this. I've, I, I've mentioned this, this statement. I written, wrote it sort of purposely like this. A lot of what we like about our church, what we love about our church, it's built by the hands of our people, meaning so many people sweat and serve to make this happen and everything throughout the week. And, you know, we pray that God provides us a space. We are actively looking for that every week. And when he provides that, that will be a wonderful thing. But until then, it's amazing to see how much care and effort goes into this place. And so in a very real way, what we have built here in many ways has been through the labor of our hands. But I want you to know what informs that, who we truly are, not just what we do, but who we truly are. And I believe this. We're a, a community defined by truth and grace. That comes from something much deeper than what our hands can provide alone. That comes from understanding who we are before God in the word, the way that he treats us and the way that he desires us to treat each other. And so as we close today, ask yourself, are you reading the Bible? Is Jesus' word the ultimate voice in your life? Do you have questions about how to read the Bible? If you do, let us know that on that connection card. Ask yourself, what is it that Jesus is saying to you about this idea, this truth? And what is it that you will do? What is it that you will believe this week about the scripture? And how will you apply that to your life?